Hey everybody, on this episode, we're going to talk about smallmouth. I was recently a guest on the Wet Fly Swing podcast with Dave Stewart, and we talked about smallmouth. Dave does a really nice job engaging his guests, keeps the conversation moving. Before we get into the Wet Fly Swing, remember to visit the Southeastern Fly store for all your merch. That merch is what makes this podcast go. Let's get on to the Wet Fly Swing. Right, so it hits the water, it gets right in their face. And remember, I'm trying to pull down a, a fly a lot of times. Uh, if, if I go back to that zoo cougar, I want something. I'm going to shorten up the leader, uh, you know, 20 and 12, 12 and 20 uh, inches. So I'm going to shorten that up so that it gets down in their face a little quicker. But that heavy sinking line is going to pull it right to the bottom. And it's super skinny, so it goes through the, it cuts through the surface film real quick and gets down. That was David Perry describing how he presents the fly for smallmouth bass. Another fly fishing podcaster today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. If you get a chance, uh, take a second here, stop and click the subscribe button in your app of choice if you haven't done so. This will assure that you get the next episode uh, delivered right to your next, uh, right to your inbox. So I'll check in with you at the end of the show and let you know what we have coming up next uh, if you're interested. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. We've got David Perry on, host of the Southeastern Fly podcast, and he's here to break down smallmouth bass fishing. We find out how he fishes the zoo cougar. Uh, and some of his favorite flies, a couple of them that I hadn't heard of before. And we also hear about what he's got planned next for uh, upcoming on the podcast. So without further ado, here is David Perry from southeasternfly.com. How's it going, David? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Good, Good to, to talk uh, to you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we chatted, uh, I think it was a couple months or I don't know, whatever that was. And um, I, I've, I've been kind of keeping this going with the connection to the other podcasters around, you know, in the fly fishing space. And I, I haven't talked to everybody yet. I don't think I'm even close to that, but I'm sl- slowly trying to connect with everybody. And yeah, man, you got some good stuff. You're down the Southeastern part of the U S we're going to dig into some smallmouth today, hopefully, and maybe some on Tennessee. But, um, before we get there, talk about how you first got into fly fishing. Oh, wow. Oh, I guess the part of the, it started when we lived in Michigan as a kid, my, parents packed up the packed up a trailer and moved us from memphis tennessee up to michigan and we lived about three or four different places in michigan but we landed in midland for the most part and there were ponds around the house and uh, my dad had a big orange diowa fly rod that he used to fish with so i drug it out of the out of the storage one day and started trying to fish with it you know and, and did the whole book under the elbow you know hold the book under your elbow to your side thing and and took it out some, but never really, it never really stuck, but the fishing did. Uh, so that was really my first little bit. And then later in life, in my 30s, I guess, uh, starting to date myself here, we moved to Knoxville. Uh, and I fished the Smokies and the Clinch and the Teleco all around the National Fo- Cherokee National Forest, uh, tailwaters and, and, and all the parks and all the streams in the park, I should say. Uh, fish those and and uh, met up with a really good friend that that took the time to to teach me to fish and and teach me to look at things maybe a little differently than than what I had been uh, as far as the uh, the natural resources go around Knoxville and and uh, that's where I really 
Dave, I think that's where I really started uh, getting into it. And, and once I picked the fly rod up and, and and put the spinning reel down, I think that's where it really started was there in Knoxville. And you got into uh, guiding now, right? You're, you're doing some guiding? Yeah. So believe it or not, we moved to Middle Tennessee. Uh, we're, we're south of Nashville, about 30 minutes in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, and we fished, I fished around here for, gosh, three, two, three or four years and, and bought a, bought a drift boat and fished in the drift boat a couple of more years. And, and, uh, one day a friend of mine, I was fishing with him and I, you know, David's one of those friends that when they say something to you, you listen to what they say. And, and Gary said, you know, you ought to be guiding people, David, you enjoy watching people catch fish you enjoy helping people catch fish you should be guiding and i said yeah you know i'm I'm enjoying i'm enjoying my own fishing you know why would i want to guide but i started thinking about it and then about six months later he came on the boat again and he said and about halfway down the the river he said you know have you thought about guiding and i said i have been kind of giving it some thought and he said you know i really think you ought to do it because you know you can sit in that seat all day long and, and and never get up and never fish, uh, which I didn't even realize I was really doing. Uh, people would have to talk me out, off the oars, basically. Uh, and once they did that, once I realized that, oh, I'm do, I'm really doing that. Why not? So I learned to cook shore lunches and that sort of thing. And, you know, I was already tying flies. And uh, one thing led to another. I put my shingle out. And a, a guy called while I was on the river uh, helping a friend learn how to row in his, his new boat. And, uh. My wife texted me on the river and said, "Hey, some guy called you to uh, to book a fly fishing trip," and I was absolutely stunned. <laughs> and it, it turned out to be a fantastic trip. So yeah, so we I named it Southeastern Fly, and I don't know. Here we are. We've got you know the the guide business and and all kinds of other things going on. So yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a wild ride, but it's been a good ride. What's on that on that drift boat? What what uh, what do you have there? Well, we've got a sixteen foot hide high side, uh, and the reason why I've got a high side, I've, I've looked at man, I've looked at every kind of boat you could possibly think of looking at. But we fish really big water in the winter, like in the summer we fish, you know, two hundred forty cfs across the uh, across a river that's probably the width of a football field, but in the winter it can get up to 12,000 CFS. Oh, wow. So I fish that high, so I feel a little more comfortable in the high side. Uh, and I've made some changes to it, so it doesn't have benches in it anymore. Uh, it's got a, a Yeti up front and then a pedestal or a box seat in the middle. And I've kind of got it, kind of getting it after, this is my second boat. So after, I guess, five, four or five, six years, something like that, I've had it. It's I'm finally getting it to where I really got it set up the way I want it. So it'll be time to get rid of it here in a year or two probably. I've threatened to get rid of it over the past three years and just haven't been able to pull the trigger. So, and you know how boats are, you kind of continue to, to modify them and tweak them until you get them just the way you think you want them. And then you find out that there's no perfect boat. (laughs) No, 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 that's right. I think we have about maybe 15 or 16 episodes on a little mini uh, podcast series we did on drift boats. So I interviewed a, a number of guests. Uh, we d- dug into a little bit of the history. So I, yeah, I've got all that uh, that we've covered. And it is, it's interesting. I think it, you know, it's actually started in Oregon and slowly worked its way out, you know, around. And I think that what's the closest, comp- what's the closest drift boat company to you out there? 
I'm trying to think. Is it stealth? Uh, no, it is. Uh, oh, Dave, let me let me see. What is the yeah. name of those? Five? Oh man, they build a terrific boat. Oh, I know which one it is. It's um, um, high country boats. Oh, high country. Okay. Yeah, they're over in North Carolina, and I've actually seen their boats, but I've never, I've never rowed one of their boats. But I tell you what, their craftsmanship is absolutely. It's crazy, crazy smooth lines, yeah. good looking boat. They are in their guides, so they build. You know, basically they're kind of a batch boat builder. They build them one at a time, or yeah, and uh, and it's just it looks like it's a couple guys, but yeah, Gosh, really yeah, nice can, looking boats. I can't think about all those podcasts we did. I can't think of one boat I looked at and where I was like, oh man, this thing isn't the greatest. I mean, we had, you know what I mean, other fiberglass boats. We had some great wood. Um, you know, K June is up there. He's got this crazy wood stitch and glue boat, which is beautiful. And and then you got these aluminum boats out. You know, out west, there's a lot more of the aluminum boats as well. But um, but yeah, cool. So that's your drift boat. And so you got this going. Then how did the um, you know southeastern fly? How did the podcast come to be? Oh wow. Um, yeah, we've got a podcast too. Huh. Uh, well, I guess you know one of the. I guess probably one of the ways that I kept feeding the the fly fishing um was you know how you start doing something and you just want to get all the information you could possibly get right that's just that was the way i was and uh, I, I somebody told me about a podcast and this was years ago called the itinerant angler and, oh yeah uh, and and zach was doing that and it, i think that's his name yep yeah zach right. was doing that that podcast and he had really good guests on and i, I just I started just trying to get all the information I could. And then whenever I started guiding, I really started honing my, my skills a little bit, trying to anyway, and, and using podcasts to do that. And then I was actually asked this question yesterday on the river. Interestingly enough, you know, why are you doing a podcast? Which then the guy asked me straight up like that too. And I said, because I use the podcast to get better, right? Not that I'm, not that I'm the greatest or anything like that, but I, they made me better and any information that I can put put out there that might make somebody better in, in fly fishing or even guiding, I want to try to do that. Just, you know, it's kind of like paying it back because I really garnered a lot of information off of that. And it wasn't just Zach's. It was, it was, there were several others out there. Some have come and some have gone now. Uh, you know, and some of the, and, and there's differences in guests and some tell you a little more, give you a little more insight than others. And some are more technical, some are more stories. So. You know, I try to make a blend of that with our podcast, but we also really want to get something that, that is technical too, that really helps an angler. That's kind of my focus on it now. Gotcha. So, so it's kind of, you got into it focused on a little bit, kind of helping learning for yourself, learning more for, you know, scratching your own itch, but really it's focused on now maybe, you know, when you think about an episode and how you choose them, are you thinking about your clients or how do you, how do you know what to choose for the next episode? Well, so when we when I started listening to them, I was just fishing, trying to get better. But whenever I started the the podcast, whenever I started it, I it's kind of a it's, it's evolving. So to answer that question, I don't want to go too far out of the way here, but but to answer that question, I thought that people really just wanted to know about people, and they do to a certain extent. But as I thought back about the the episodes that I really listened to more than once. They were more technical. They were more how-to. They were more, you know, uh, and Kelly Gallup, perfect, perfect example of somebody willing to give up information, you know, that might help me. So, you know, we all got on that that 
that sinking line light fly thing for a long time because he put it out there and it worked. You know, whenever you try something and it works, that's really what you want to do. So it's kind of evolving. And really what I tell you what pushes our podcast. uh, And I don't know, maybe everybody does this, but we started a Facebook group uh, called Podcast by Southeastern Fly. Uh, And one of my guests said, man, you really ought to do a you really ought to do a podcast or a group for this podcast, Facebook group. And I'm probably slow to move, honestly, Dave, on a lot of things. And I was slow to move on that. But I started it and we had a couple of folks come in and now it's starting to build. And and I just asked the questions out there of, hey, what do you want to listen to? What do you want to hear? And that group now is driving our podcast for the most part. I still get to sneak something in there every once in a while that I just kind of like to hear about. But whenever I start asking questions for, you know, like the first of this year, I said, what do you want to hear about? You know, what what types of fishing do you want to know about? And they they gave, you know, I put a poll out there and they added all the stuff in there that they wanted to add. And and that's directed us, you know, through the first part of this year. Uh, and then it, it, it's going to direct us a little more. I'm just I'm just working on getting the guests. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing is to get in the right guest you know, somebody that's willing to give information, uh, but knowing that, you know, we know going in that they're not going to give us everything, right? Nobody's going to give up every single bit of information, but the ones that give up good information are the ones that we're looking for. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm totally agree. I was just, it's funny you said Kelly got because we, we had an episode way back. I think it was, uh, whatever it was, episode 52, and I just listened to it again because I'm putting together a little resource. And uh, yeah, man, it was the same thing. There were so many things I totally forgot about that were little tips and tricks. And and we do the same. We do a little bit of, you know, the tips and tricks. And and then we also get into a little bit of the stories. But that's why, like today with you, you know, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you about podcasting all day, and I would be interested <laughs> in that. But you know, I mean, people wouldn't listen probably as much. But if I go in and we talk about smallmouth bass fishing in the Tennessee area it's going to get people listening and re-listening because I know people have come out to me and said, Hey, you know, do a smallmouth bass episode. That's what we need. And I've got, I've got some other people coming up to help out. So yeah, man, that, that's why today I think we're going to dig into it. Um, so I've got a few other uh, questions, just, you know, more podcast focused, but, but maybe we should just dig into a little fishing just to uh, make sure we scratch the, the itch of the person listening right now. Does that sound good? Dude, I'm all for talking about smallmouth. Okay. hundred percent. Good. Um, so maybe we just start us off where, you know, and I'm, I haven't fished that area. I, I've heard a lot about it. I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned a lot of kind of really famous cities, you know, Nashville, uh, Knoxville, I mean, all these Memphis. I mean, you're in this amazing place for music, which, you know, maybe we could talk more about music later. But um, yeah, maybe just bring us back to your, as far as smallmouth bass, what, what's your kind of your home water, you know, without giving out any secrets or whatever, and talk, talk about how you kind of catch a smallmouth there. Well, so being in Middle Tennessee, so like I said, we're just south of Nashville, about thirty minutes, and there's probably a tr- probably cover two hour drive in uh, in all directions, but it seems like I mostly go west. I mostly go east. <laughs> I don't go too far north because you're going to run into Nashville, and I don't. I'm 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 more of of a secluded place to fish, but not that not that there aren't some really cool streams right there in Nashville and around you know south and southwest nashville a little bit but uh going east the barren fork there's some some pretty good smallies there uh that connects with the collins river uh that upper watershed there is kind of the upper caney fork watershed that's part of it um the duck river is a little more west 
it's it's pretty good there's there's some trout up top around normandy dam and then as the water gets warmer and warmer the smallmouth kind of move in and then it that that flows into some really really warm hot water i guess you could say more than you know a little bit more than than what smallmouth like and then another river that we fish in some of the tributaries is the lower elk river on down before it runs into the tennessee river so we've really got you know four five six six pieces of water there that we can fish that have multiple floats on them uh and all kinds of different water you know you're fishing everything from shoals to riffles to runs to big long slick pools uh rock banks uh, chunk rock on the bottom. There's just a, there's a lot of different things that you can do. So you have it all. It sounds like you got a little bit of everything. Is there like today, if you were going to go fish, I'm not sure when the best time to fish it is, but if you're going to pick one to fish today, where would you be heading? Whew. Um, uh, thinking about the water levels and all that. It's still, to me, it's a little bit early. So I'd probably head a little bit South and try the duck. One of the, one of the floats on the duck. What is the what is the best time of year? If you said you know you want to go hit some smallmouth, when would you you know throughout the whole year? Gosh, I'd say the next two months. Okay, so we're somewhere we're getting there. in there. Yeah, 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 we're getting there. So right now, uh, when we're recording this, we're going into May pretty soon. So we're pretty much yeah. so May June that that period are kind of the best times. Yeah, I just realized this is the end of April. I was thinking like this is the first of April, but it's not. You're right. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd I would be on the duck, and it's cranking up some. Uh, we even caught. We even caught a smallmouth the other day on a trout float, so it's definitely cranking up. Okay, and that's duck. Was it duck? Um, <laughs> the duck river. river? The yeah. duck river. Okay. So that's that's known. There's 151 fish species in that river. Um, wow. So it's the most diverse river apparently in North America or, or the United States, one of the two. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, and it's not all, you know, it's not all sport fish. There's a lot of different species in there, and it's long. It's a long watershed, so. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's amazing. Okay, so. So the Duck River, and then when you're on the Duck, is that a river that you pretty much have to have a boat, or can you do that from the bank as well? Yeah, there's a lot of people that wade the Duck uh, in a lot of different places. A lot of kayaks stop and, and, and pull over and fish. Um, same thing on the Lower Elk. Uh, I, li- I like that river as well. But the, and they're very, All the rivers are very similar in a lot of ways. So you can take what works on one and pack up your stuff and go go to one of the other ones and still be you know you're looking for the same types of water and and that sort of thing so if you're if you're doing really well uh let's say in a run you know maybe drifting a tequili fly through a run under even under an indicator uh on the duck you can take that to the collins and find that same thing or you can take that to the lower elk and find the same thing once you find that piece of water you can take those techniques and put them to use in different places gotcha Gotcha. So you, so indicator, so you're doing some nip fishing. Is that, is that probably one of the more popular methods there? Well, it is right now. So a tequili fly, I don't know if you know what a tequili fly looks like. No. It's kind of, it's kind of like a woolly bugger with some, with longer legs, you know. There's okay. A, How there's do you spell a, that? Uh, T-E-Q-U-E-E-L-Y, tequili. Okay. Uh, it's pretty popular around here. I enjoy fishing it because I can fish it under an indicator. I can have somebody fish it under an indicator. I can have somebody strip it. You know, I can have somebody crawl it along the bottom. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways. So you can imitate a lot of different things that 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 really make it fish well. Got it. It's got rubber legs. It's got the the the, uh, the rubber. Like, is that typical that it's got a little bead and rubber legs, or is it? And color wise, is it usually is there a, is it a bunch of different colors that fly? 
you could color you can, i mean you can yeah, like any fly you can put it in whatever and i've got some in green got some in yellow but i've got some brown that really works good and it's like brown flash uh you know what dave yeah let me i just happen to have some of this yeah right here uh yeah it's a it's essentially a woolly bugger with um, with rubber legs, right? Yep, that's what it is. And, and Eric's Fly Shop, A R R I C K S Fly Shop, is the one that does the the chenille, and they're in West Yellowstone, and it's a brown, flashy chenille. Uh, and man, that stuff just—I don't know what it is. And I probably just gave away some of my secret, uh, but I but <laughs> I said that's what we want. That, that's yeah. that's the key to this episode, right? You just gave yeah. somebody a little uh, a little nugget. Yeah, I don't remember what what which. Uh, which YouTube video I stole this off of, but I was like, well, I kind of like that. And they told me where to get it. So, um, you know, a cone head on top, the, the, the with, uh, you know, a tail marabou tail, I throw some wire in there just to make it a little bit more durable, put some lead on it if I want to crawl it, you know, like a, along the bottom or something. So, yeah. I right, gotcha. So, so when you get set up there, so let's say we're taking it, we're kind of nymph fishing. Um, what does that setup look like and how are you doing it? So you're in the boat and are you, are you, uh, so you're not really like swinging flies necessarily. You're just casting out and stripping in. Well, so that's, that's the beautiful thing about Tequili or, or a, a woolly bugger or even the bigger nymphs, stonefly nymphs and stuff like that. Those work as well. So let's take those three. Uh, if it's somebody new uh, and, and they're not ready to, to cast zoo cougars on sinking lines uh, or poppers even. They're not quite there yet. I'll I'll put a big indicator on top and just let them float it out beside the boat or out try to get them to float it in front, in front of the boat, you know, and, and get them, if you can get them to get it out there, you know, without, you know, killing everybody uh, as it comes through the, <laughs> as it comes through the boat, you know. And, and most people are pretty good. You, you, I, I do a lot of work with beginners, so you get, you know, you, you – figure out right quick that all right this person can handle this fly or this person can't handle this heavy fly yet you know by the end of the float i expect them to be able to do it i have high expectations uh when we go out there so a lot of a lot of folks you'll just nymph it uh you know you might tie it six foot under an indicator and just let it go out there and just let it go down and hunt up a fish uh if they're a little bit better a lot of times we'll put it on a floating line and just slowly strip it uh, that seems to work. Even on large nymphs, we'll do that too, and that that's a pretty good one. Woolly bugger buggers, obviously, you can, you can do whatever with them either, them as well. So, yeah, we'll we'll do. I mean, there's a million different ways to fish all this stuff. So we just you know try to try to figure out what's best for whoever's in the braces. We just want them to figure out all right, what's what's the most productive thing I can do for them to catch some fish. Yeah, I got. That's you. really so kind of where I am. There's tons, yeah, like you said, there's tons of ways to do it. You could, yeah, I mean, the, the indicator's great. Or, I mean, if you're going out there, say it's just you, um, you don't have clients, you're just doing some some research or whatever, how, how are you How are you setting up your stuff? There's two things I'm going to use. I'm going to use a, a zoo cougar on a sinking line just because, I, and I usually use a yellow one, <laughs> just because I can see it and I can watch it. Now, it's that's visual to me. And I love doing that. That's kind of my jam right there. Just, just get in the right water and start chunking some, some heavier lines and get it down there. And, and the zookeeper usually will hunt that thing up, and you'll be good to go. Um, and then the other way is is poppers. I love, absolutely love fishing poppers. Man, I don't think there's anything more visual, anything more fun. 
you have high expectations when they hit you're surprised every time you know they're like these smallies will rush off the bottom a lot of times and come up and just nail it and 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 they're headed back down with it before you're ever ready to even to set the hook you know it's they're just they're so much fun they fight good uh they they eat good they're just it's just a good eat all the time so yeah if you can get it on poppers man that's the thing everybody loves that i haven't found anybody that said yeah i want to change off a popper once they've caught one (laughs) (laughs) on those poppers where you what type of water are you looking for so that's the thing about those. It's a try to hit a little bit slower water. Uh, and somebody out there is going, well, I always fish fast water with, with hoppers, you know, uh, which is fine. I mean, they work in that. But if you can find, I try to, I'm looking for like rock walls. So around here, there are rock ledges, I guess I should say. There are a lot of rock walls, but the ledges, maybe they're two or three feet up. If you think about a ledge up above the water, it, it, it looks the same below the water right they're very similar i mean have may have different outcroppings and that sort of thing but they're very similar so if you think about that you think of these these fish are you know i like to say they're leaned up against that that ledge you know drinking a milkshake waiting for something to come by and it doesn't and they're looking up i mean the, the fish are looking up uh at the right times of year which is which is now until probably june now that you've told me it's it's already may <laughs> it's basically yeah. may already yeah uh so you know, if you think about that, there's plenty of places for them to get in nooks and crannies and still see what's coming by, either on top or even, you know, if you're if you're if you're fishing something uh, to Quealy, let's say you're you're floating it or or a regular stonefly or something like that. You think about good place for them to get in, and and they have that protection. They kind of have some oxygen, hopefully flowing by there if they need it. You know, there's some food coming by, but that protection's still important to a smallmouth. I mean, let's don't, let's don't joke. They, they're not sharks. You know, they're not, they're not the, uh, they have some enemies out there, so they're going to still look for some cover. So yeah, I'm looking for those ledges. I'm looking for chunk rock in the bottom. You know, you'll see some, especially this time of year when the, when the bottoms of the rivers are a little more clean, a little less vegetation, you can, you can find that chunk rock a little easier. So we'll fish those. So those are really kind of couple things that i'm looking for when i'm fishing poppers but i'm not i'm not really not looking for it whenever i'm fishing other types of yeah of, uh, it's always flies either yeah you're always looking for that structure is it usually structure you know around ledges and rocks or there is there also wood is there is it pretty much any structure you're going to find smallmouth you're going to find them in a lot of different places you're going to find them where you least expect finding those fish but yeah i mean fishing wood uh works too same thing uh, you know, you're going to probably get hung up a little more in wood, but if you're not losing a, using, losing a fly every once in a while, you're not fishing close enough. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. So just any, but like I said, you, you just have to be ready at any point, any point in time they could be there, but yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and so let's go back to that zoo cougar. So you, you've got that on, you've got this fly on that. I mean, would you call that, that you're, this is more streamer fishing than nymphing or is there, or is there like an overlap there? Oh, it's a hundred percent streamer fishing. Yeah, yeah, it's that fly. So I guess what I've done with that fly, Dave, is I've really learned to fish it. So, and what I mean by that is I've learned that it's a floating fly on a sinking line. So if I want to throw over a log, I can throw over the log and start stripping back and strip that fly right up to the log where one more pull is going to get it stuck in the log. But if you stop 
just before the log, it'll start rising up. And it'll come over the log. Once you get it clear of the log, then you can start back down and start pulling it back down. So, you know, I mean, you really, in, in trying to fish it, the shorter leaders try to fish it more toward the bottom. Uh, you know, the big splats, whenever you, like, cast it in, cast it in and kind of, I like to say, throw it like a softball. Like, get it going, get it up in the air and make it splat some. Uh, and really, you know, start taking off like the fish, it's a little, maybe, imitating a little fish and it jumps and you start stripping it back you know a lot of times you'll get that reaction strike there so I, it's an interesting fly but i've just really grown to like it so there are thousands of other flies out there thousands of other streamers out there that just happens to be probably my favorite there you go that's uh and i think i was just yeah listening to that kelly gallop episode again episode 52 that we did and and he actually said the, uh, I think his top, if he had to pick one fly or whatever was the zoo cougar, that's kind of number one. And he talked a little bit about design, you know, that's what mm-hmm. real interesting with him. He talked about how, you know, how you go about it. He said the mo- most important thing when you're talking about fly design, when you're making a new fly is think about how you're going to fish it. And that's how he, he went into that. He was thinking about how he was going to fish it. and he does that, you know, that, that his, tw- whatever he calls it, his twitch, you know, he kind of really works the fly. So when you're out there, are you doing that? Are you really working that fly with your, your rod tip? Or are you doing a lot more or some, or mixing it up? As far as fishing a zoo cougar, probably the only thing I haven't stolen directly from Kelly is, is the retrieve. Uh, and I just, I just choose to do it with my hand, you know, with my wrist. So anywhere from little bitty wrist strips, right? So moving that fly two inches at a time, uh, and the fact that it has a, a spun deer hair head, so it wants to float means that it wants to move back and forth. You kind of get into, I can kind of get into a little rhythm with just wrist strips, moving it two or three or four inches. And it'll just, it'll walk the dog for a long way that way. I don't know how it does it. Uh, and you know, it, it may go sideways, you know, if you're in rushing water, you know, quite fast moving water, if you're in fast moving water, it's gonna, it's gonna go head up, you know, it almost has to once it gets, once you get some line tight and it, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, so it'll, it'll, then it'll start head down, but eventually it'll go head up. Uh, but, and you can't walk the dog there, but if you've got a little bit slower water, yeah, you can walk the dog for, for a long way with just little short wrist strips. Now, if that's not working, then I'll start going longer strips. If that doesn't work and you know, sometimes you get, I think if I get frustrated or something, I'll start using the rod tip to do it. And I don't know that that brings any more, any less strikes, you know, but I'm more wrist, more, more short, more, I don't really see these, I don't really see the bait fish like taking off and going in a straight line without really wiggling for, you know, more, I don't see them doing that for, for two foot, you know, for two feet. They're, they're wiggling back and forth, even though they're moving that two feet, they're still wiggling back and forth. And if you just pull straight and it's not giving any movement, really to me, it's, it's probably just not as much fun to watch, but it, when it comes down to it, if I'm out there fishing for myself, I'm trying to please David. I mean, if I catch yeah. some, fi- I want to catch some fish, but I can entertain myself just casting around and trying to make it do different things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so again, you know, back to as you're coming into it, let's say we're drifting down the river in your boat. So when you're coming up, you're looking for, you know, if it's new, if you're new to the section, how do you know, you know, like riffle versus run versus pool? Do you, are you kind of just fishing a little bit of everything or where do you start when you're you know, coming down there. If I'm like, you mean like I'm out exploring a river? 
Yeah, if you're, maybe you're on a new section and you don't really know it. And say it has a bunch of diverse kind of habitats. So it's got the big pools, it's got the riffles, it's got the runs. You know, where do you, how do you, or do you just fish every little spot, everything you, that looks good? I fish every spot and I do two things, Dave. One is I always try to look ahead, always. And I'm not, I'm not always successful at it, but I try to look at what's next uh, as I'm fishing where I am. But the second thing, and I think this is valuable right here and and a lot of people do it and i i highly recommend that whatever water you fish you know on a weekly basis get good at it whatever it is because the chances are if you go somewhere within two hours of where you are right now or where where your weekly water is your home water if you go two hours from there chances are you're going to find a lot of the same types of of river right so you're going to find a lot of the same types of runs you're going to find a lot of the same types of shoals you're going to find a lot of the same things going on in pools and if you're good at your river you you can be good at one that's within two hours of you probably now if you you know you you have a ten thousand changing out foot change in elevation it's a little bit different so don't take that to the extreme but if you if you just think about I fish a certain type of run and I like to fish a certain type of run at my, my home river and I'm good at it. Right. So you get good at things that you do. The next river you go to, you're going to be, you're going to be hunting up those same places. So get good where you are and then work your way out and then move on. Once you move on to, you know, all right, I'm pretty good at runs. Now I want to fish riffles. Okay. Get pretty good at riffles. All right. I find my place with a riffle. The next river I go to, if it's got a run in it, I'm going to fish that. Now I'm good at riffles. I'm going to fish those too. You know, I think that the last thing that people fish are those big, long pools that I was talking about a while ago. But but those fish, you know, if you can hunt up a little bit of current in there, like it may be a big still, especially around here. There are pools here that, you know, they may be a football field long. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there's always, you can always find some current in them somewhere. But I was on the, on, I was on the river yesterday. I fished a guy through a long pool. He caught some fish there. And there was a boat behind me, and I heard his motor start up, and I thought he's going to blow that whole pool, and he's going to be right on top of me. And sure enough, he blew through the whole pool. And if he had fished right behind us, he would have seen that there were a ton of fish in there. But he just blew right through it because it's a pool. You know, he thought, well, there's no current here. So, you know, try to get better. In my opinion, this is, this is David speak here. I'm just trying to get better at every type of water. Get a presentation for every type of water, and you just get better with time, you know, and you steal ideas from everybody, Yeah, and that helps. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, well, I, and I, to that point, we had um, Charles Jardine, who's a big English, like, UK guy, and uh, we were talking nymphing, and he said the same thing. I mean, he said a lot of the stuff that he, because he fishes the West, you know, he fishes the U.S. a lot as well. And he said pretty much everything we're talking about today, we were talking about more UK, but he said this can most of this can apply to fish in the you know west yellowstone or something like that right i mean so there are a lot of similarities even around the world and that's the amazing thing i mean smallmouth bass that's the beauty of them right they i mean i fish for smallmouth and they're they're just this amazing species that's that's aggressive um and it's just super cool so so i guess if we talked about the pool let's just dig into the pool a little bit so we got this football football field long pool so when you're coming up to this thing are you using could you like a zoo cougar in this thing as well yeah so like I said, I'm, I'm so even these big long pools, they may have just a little bit of current coming through them all across it, but there's going to be a spot or two 
in it where the current is kind of like a mainstream. And by mainstream, I mean it's not rushing, right? I mean it's just moving a little faster. That's all, and not much. I mean, they're hard to pick out. You can look at bubble lines. You can look at scum lines. You can do those sort of thing and, and kind of get a general idea where they are. Uh, so what that presents, and then you've got the other side maybe of the pool, and it may be all stagnant water, which is fine. There's going to be some largemouth, some gar, that sort of thing in there. I don't know what pushes them kind of away from some of the smallmouth lies, and, and they all – Honestly, they all get together and kind of use the same water a lot of times too. But let's just focus on that current that I'm talking about. If you're focused on that current, you got to first find it. So you're looking for those scum lines. You're looking for those bubble lines. You're just looking for just a little bit of moving water in some of them. I mean, just a little bit. Uh, hence the reason the guy cranked up his motor and blew through it yesterday. Because it was so minute. I mean, there was very, very little going on. So I'll, you know, I'll get in that current, find that current seam. And if I'm fishing or, or if I have somebody fishing a zoo cooker, they'll throw on the other side of the current stream, especially if there's a rock wall there or a gravel, gravel bar coming across it, something like that. I'll, I'll have them fishing that zoo cougar. Uh, and you got to just kind of speed it up, slow it down, depending on how fast the, the line's sinking and that sort of thing. Uh, but I don't, you know, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing in the book that says you can't float a, a large nymph under an indicator there too, right? You just have to find that, you know, find that find seam. That yep. Find that. I try to find the edges of it too. So where the fast currents moving up against the no current or slower currents moving up against no current, try to get on that seam of the moving water and just, I think those fish just kind of sit on the edge and looking, looking at that moving water and just saying, yeah. hey, here's something I need to go grab. You know, it's like a buffet. Yep, exactly. Stuff's coming down, stuff's going up. Are you casting more, uh, you know, across or down or up? Or I guess, you know, so let's take, take us to that spot. You found this little current seam in a big pool. You know, are you? does it matter where you cast, how you cast to them? Depends on what the fish are looking for that day, really. Yeah. I mean, you can cast... I, Usually I start straight in, you know, like a, I look like a bass fisherman, you know, like you see on TV, other than the hook set that they use. Uh, they use quite a exaggerated hook mm. set more than what I would, but, but I'm, I'm going to start out just fishing straight up, you know, straight up to the bank. Sometimes you'll go head down. So you cast a little bit upstream and let the head go down some, sometimes you'll just stop the boat, cast up a little bit, uh, upstream a little bit to the bank. And then as you start stripping, if you got enough current, it'll start, it'll look like that fish is like running downstream and then changes it, its mind and tries to come upstream. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're fishing that way. So mm -hmm. there's a ton of different ways that you can fish it. And whenever I say that you stop the boat, cast a little bit upstream, it runs the, the head of the fly downstream and then turns upstream, that just happens to be that what we did the other day. So that's why it comes to mind. Yeah. I think you can get creative on any fly that you want to use, even if you're dead drifting a nymph form. I mean, you can you can get of a twitch. You can there's a, so many different things you can do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're going to. Uh, I, I wanted to hit on our little segment, the two twenty two top two tips, flies, and resources in a, in a second. But I wanted to touch base. Um, you know, back a little bit on the podcast because I, you know, obviously this is, uh, I'm always excited to hear about where you're going with that. Um, but first, I guess, as far as just bass fishing, smallmouth, um, anything else, you know, I know there's a ton here. Where would you direct somebody if they wanted to take this kind of the next step further? Uh, or would you say just get out and 
just get out to your water and take what we talked about today and just explore. Grab a zoo cougar and a you know a sinking line and 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 kind of hit for it. I think if I was if I was a so if I was one of the, if I tell you what the, the the guy that I guided yesterday is the perfect example. He's the perfect example yeah. newer angler in fly fishing. So he's fished for bass, you know, with, with gear, which mm-hmm. is cool. I mean, he had some really cool stories, and there's some real. There's a lot of stuff you can learn from the gear guys if you just mm-hmm. take a minute and look. And it's it can be tough for some of us to look at the gear guys and say, yeah, what you're doing makes sense, because some of us tend to have that. You know, we're fly fishermen yeah. mentality. Yep. But you can look at gear guys and find that. But if, but I think and Jesse was his name, and I think Jesse is a perfect example of someone that could take what he learned yesterday and decide, I'm going for smallies, and take some of that knowledge and just start start working on it and be really good. So if I was Jesse, I would – and he, he lives in Nashville. He's close closer to the Harpeth River, and there's some smallmouth in there, and there's some pretty good ones in there. I would find, you know, an access point without a lot of folks, and I would start trying a couple of different things. I'd take that tequila. I'd take a woolly bugger. I'd mm-hmm. take a large nymph. I'd take poppers. He doesn't have a sinking line, so I would not take a zoo cougar because mm-hmm. those are tough to fish on a on a floating line. You can put some weight on it and do all that, but that yeah. really defeats the purpose. I would take those, and I would pick out a stretch on the Harpeth or, or on the, you know, whatever's close to you, and I would start working grab one of those i'd probably start out with a tequila if it was me and i would f- find the different types of water and i would just start fishing them and i would just try i would go back and listen to this podcast and try to hopefully i've said something that made some sense mm-hmm. um and i would listen to other podcasts i would get online i would read and i would get to the river as much as i could get to the river and if that's once a month for one day i'd be super focused that day Right, I would have, I would have some. I would get up early. I'd get there first. I'd have breakfast while I'm driving. <laughs> make sure I had plenty of water to keep myself hydrated. I'd have some crackers. I would have some chocolate because you can't go fishing without chocolate. <laughs> Take all those flies, and I would just I would work that stream, and I would find something that I really like to work, and I would start there. If it was a run, I'd work the I'd work the runs until I couldn't work them anymore, and then I would move on to something else, and I would just keep doing that. If it's once a week, I'd do the same thing. If it's every day for a month, you can get out. That's what I would do. I would keep focusing because the more you're on the water and the more knowledge that you're trying to take in and you can and you can put to use, the better you're going to be. Yeah. If Learn. Jesse was able to do that, Jesse would be an outstanding smallmouth fisherman. And he just – he's only picked up the fly rod – three or four times a couple times yeah yeah Yeah. he would be very good what's early when you get out there what would be early on on the water uh try to get there by six yeah so just get there yeah and and you know if you can get there earlier six is about right i mean the sun's coming up you know and you can see what you're doing but you don't have to be out there at four in the morning although i used to do that okay so (laughs) so with smallmouth is there anything there where you know i mean could you pretty much fish 6 a.m. versus 6 p.m. it's all the same or is there a big difference or as far as wind fish are active things like that yeah i think early is better and late is better middle middle okay. of the day you used to don't kid yourself you can catch them all day long you can yeah. you can catch them when the sun's out right and it's a, bl- a blue sky yep blue sky day you can catch them then but you're probably gonna have a little more luck honestly whenever it's a little bit 
little bit uh, earlier, a little bit later. And, you know, you have a lot of more traffic in them after, you know, during the day, especially if they're, if they allow like uh, rental companies for canoes and kayaks or something like that. Oh yeah. That can, that can spoil the middle of the, middle of the day. So take your hammock with you and string it in a tree and take a nap, you know? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I've got some okay, friends man. that do that. That's perfect. No, that sounds amazing. That's what yeah. I would be. Definitely. That's the great thing. Yeah, those hammocks you can take anywhere. Um, what's your sinking line? What, what's the, the line you like to go with on your sinking line? For, with like, say you got the zoo cougar. You have to remember I'm different than everybody else. Okay. If you keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, so I'm using the Cortland level sinking line. It sinks about five to six inches a second. Uh, a lot. And it's super skinny. Like it's 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 about the size of a little bit less than a number two pencil lead. If anybody knows what those are, mm-hmm. oh, uh, wow, so yeah, it, that's pretty skinny. Yeah, so yeah, see, I mean, everybody's fishing this nice fat stuff, and I've got some of that stuff, but and it it's it's hard to to work with when it's real cold. But I haven't found anything that sinks faster, right? So it hits the water, it gets right in their face. And remember, I'm trying to pull down a, a fly a lot of times. Uh, if, if I go back to that zoo cougar, I want something, I'm going to shorten up the leader, uh, you know, 20 and 12, 12 and 20, uh, inches. So I'm going to shorten that up so that it gets down in their face a little quicker, but that heavy sinking line is going to pull it right to the bottom and it's super skinny. So it goes through the, it cuts through the surface film real quick and gets down faster. It gets down. I feel like the better off I am, but I still want that, you know, we still want that play in the fly. So that's why I, lo- I love that line because it lets the fly do what the fly is going to do. Right, right, right. So, so it's almost like a not a euro nymphing, but it is getting to that point where you want the fly to be just free to to move based on what you do. You don't want to fly the fly line to really take control of the situation. Is that kind of how you think of it? Yeah, I want that fly to go down there and hunt that fish up. That's really what. Yeah. I, that's that's yeah. that fly's mission. Well, and that's on the um, again, you know, uh, the mono stuff. I had. Um, God, what episode was it? We we did a mono. Uh, it's essentially it's a little like Euro nymphing, but it was um, you know trout bitten Dominic Swintoski. He's uh, he's got the trout bitten side, and he talked about how he does what he calls mono, you know, mono nymphing, but it's like a mix between uh, streamers and Euro nymphing, right? So he's using this. It sounds similar to what you're talking about with the Zucuga, right? Where you have control of it, and again, that's what's beautiful about talking to you is that you know hearing your you know different the, the way you do it is amazing because somebody may may not have heard this before so um well i guess let's let's take us to just quickly as we get um as we start to kind of wrap this up here you've talked about a few i, I mentioned the 222 we're going to dig into that um but would you as far as flies you had two flies and i just be thinking about a couple of tips that we could add to this but um but let's just quickly go back to the podcast so okay Take me where the podcast, um, you know, obviously you've been doing it. How long have you been doing it now? Gosh, uh, the 31st episode, three years. It, I try yeah. to do one a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah, one a do, month. Yeah, you do quite a, quite a few more than that. But yeah, uh, I just try to do one a month. And I've skipped some months and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah we're, we try to stay regimented, you know, releasing the first Monday of the month uh, as much as we can. So, yeah, we've got about yep. 30, 30 something episodes. Okay, and how did you come to how did you come to the one a month versus say two a month or whatever else? Well, it's tough to do them. One, I, you know, it's it can be tough to get the right guest. 
right? So I've I've really yeah. tried to focus on those guests that we talk about. Uh, and I could do more. You know, we don't we don't really have advertisers. We had some in the beginning, and I've kind of stopped that because I really kind of just want to I want to say what I want to say. You know, I want the per- person on the other end of the conversation to say what they want to say and not have to worry about, well, I don't want to say this because this person or this company's, uh, you know, behind right. this episode. Yeah. So, you know, I just really kind of just wanted to make sure we had good content. It takes me a while to think of what I want to ask. Thankfully the podcast group really is, they haven't taken it completely over, but they're, they're moving on that. Um, so yeah, like, I think that's probably how I yeah. ended up on that one. It's just you know I could I could do more, but I don't know if it would have as much information. And I think you know honestly, Dave, I think we missed a mark sometimes. There's that one more question that somebody wishes I would ask that I right. just didn't think of, you know. But all the guests have been super open, you know, like hey, if somebody needs some additional information, just let let me know and I'll give it to them. So I yeah. feel pretty good about that. Nice, nice. What is your? Um, have you had a smallmouth uh, bass episode? With no, anybody? have no. not. <laughs> there you go. So you got, I have you got, not. A, you got that's that's a good one to throw at the list because it'd be yeah. nice right now. I could I could direct somebody right now to that one. They can go listen to that on your show. Yeah, I've, and I've got I've got that on the list. I just haven't done it. Crazy as this is, I'm on your show doing smallies and haven't done one on my own. Well, and that's the struggle. That's the struggle, I think, with the monthly, you know, because I mean, even if you do it weekly, that's only 52 episodes a year. Right. And, and I, I feel like that's hard, you know, because I always have, I've got a whole list. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, spreadsheets of people and topics that, you know what I mean? I probably won't get to ever, but, uh, but that's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, we're doing 12 episodes a year. I mean, there's no way you can, you know, there's just so much that you're not going to be able to get to. And, it, you know, obviously, so we're helping you here, right? <laughs> so yes. when you have a, yeah, so when you have a guest, when you have one of your clients come up, all you got to do is say, Hey, the wet fly sleep podcast, go yeah. check it out. I talked about smallmouth. You listen. And, I mean, do you feel when you listen to, you think about what we've covered today and you have a client, would you feel comfortable sending it to this episode and, and to get a good perspective on what you're doing with smallmouth? Yeah, I would. I would send them here first before the trip. Yeah, I would send a link and say, "Hey, go listen to this, and this will give you some idea of of what we do." Anything that you can help, you know, people people want to know. Hey, what do I need to be ready for? Um, these things help. Like I, I've done that before. Hey, listen to this episode. We've got a couple episodes on tailwaters out there. Uh, that oh I yeah, did with I heard, I heard those. Did you? Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, try to try to coach them up a little bit before and if they're experienced anglers and they listen to it they'll know i mean they'll be dialed in when they get on the boat and they'll be like all right i don't know exactly what we're going to do and they they get they get with us quicker uh in the float they get they get fishing catching fish earlier in the float i guess i should say so yeah it's a it's a again try to use it like i've used it and you know get what you can out of it I think people take what twenty percent of what they hear they they retain, and then you know maybe ten percent they use. That's what's amazing. That's yeah. that's why the podcast, like you said earlier, that's the great thing about the podcast is that it's there. For, it's evergreen. I mean, that person and I do it as well. I mean, I just listened to this old episode on Kelly Gallup from like f- three years ago, and uh, and it's there right now. Somebody can go listen to that episode and get a bunch of tips. And in fact, I'm I'm breaking down a lot of the the. The quick tips is what what I call them, you know, that we're going to cover here in a little bit, the 222. But what Kelly said on that episode, he said, 
you know, he had a couple of tips like breaking water down. You know, his favorite was like the zoo cougar and a couple other ones. You know, he was talking about fishing with the gear guys, right? That's an important thing for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, there's lots of lots of good tips there. But um, what about your biggest? What, what, do you know which episode was your most maybe most listened to or most popular? No, I don't actually. I haven't looked. No. What about what about your most enjoyable one? Or oh, the one wow. that you remember? Uh, or does one stick out? Gosh, that's, that's a like... good one. The last the last one was really good uh, with Ian and Charity Rudder of, and they're in the, they're they're yeah, that uh, was the, the the park one, right? Yeah, yeah, in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and I think part of that was because that was really the first one that I got back in the truck and drove over back to Townsend, where I spent a ton of time up there. Uh, fishing in the park like several days a week when we lived over there i'd fish in the park and uh i got back in the truck and drove over there and it's just good to get out it's really my first one back and you know after covid and i said i'm going i'm taking a road trip you know i I drove over and back in a day uh which is it's about that's about really it's about eight hours on the road uh, yeah. And then, oh wow! Yeah, it's a, it's pretty good. It's pretty good haul over there. By uh-huh. the time you stop and all that, it's probably you know closer to eight hours on the road. Uh, it just uh, you know I called my my buddy that taught me you know a whole ton of stuff of what I know uh, and talked to him on the phone for probably forty five minutes on the way back. So it was just that made that one a little bit special. But I think the big thing there was Ian and Charity just they gave up some information that. If you listen to it with a with a critical ear of I'm going to take what they tell me and use it, you're going to be better when you come off of it. Next trip you take to the Smokies or any, you know, even if you go up in Cherokee National Forest, it's kind of the same types of water coming off the mountains and stuff. You're going to be better if you'll just listen and use it. I mean, they gave up some good usable information. Nice, nice. Okay, I'll put a I'll put a link out to that one as as well in the show notes. So, okay, as we uh, kind of take it out of here, I guess one last podcasting question, then we'll get into the two twenty two. So, if somebody's listening right now and they're and they're thinking, man, it'd be kind of cool to start a new podcast, maybe in the fly fishing space. What what sort of advice would you give that person? Any, anything you've learned over the last you know few years doing your show? Some days I'd say take up drinking instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> has it been has it been uh, hard i mean your your process are you pretty much doing everything do you do the editing all parts of it i do everything other than i mean lips and host it that's the only outside source that i really have going on that's why i'm so i think that's why i'm so thankful for the folks that that are in the group that drive it in the in the facebook group because they took that load off of me for the most part uh, of trying you know that's one piece that i could say all right this is going to help people and i know they want to listen so it's not like hey i want to listen to this and i want to you know do these things it's it's better that way but it's if i was going to tell them something i would say do it today start today if you've got a phone and everybody let's face it, it's got a phone set the phone down in front of you write up a script of just do five minutes and talk into the phone about those things that you have listed on that piece of paper, right? So list some, list out some notes, talk through those notes. Don't listen to that first one, delete it as soon as you do it and do another one and just get used to talking in the mic. Cause it's not easy to do, you know, and it's it, in the, the editing the you know, and how many times have you, and I know this happens to me, this happened to me on the Eden charity podcast 
on the on the R&R, the Smokies. I set up everything. I said, well, let's just do a test. I had tested it the night before. Everything was good. We tested it for about five minutes, and nothing worked. How many times have mm. you had that happen? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I think everybody has. It's the tech. The tech is the X factor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, an hour later, we were we were recording, but it took an hour. I mean, that was an hour out of their day of me sitting there sweating, trying to figure out. So, you know, try to be ready. And, that, and that's happened more than once to me. So maybe I'm not good at tech. No, no, it happens. <laughs> it happens. I mean, I've had it. You'll have it dialed in. Everything's good. And then the next, well, even this morning, I mean, that's, I, I use a software typically that I record through Skype. Um, it's called Call Recorder and it, uh, it works great. I mean, it's amazing. And, and this morning it didn't work. I mean, I have no idea what. I probably just need to reboot it, reinstall something, or whatever. But so instead, we're we're recording both ends. You're recording your side, and and I'm recording mine, which is actually the best way to do it. That'll be the cleanest audio, anyways. You know what the crazy thing though is, Dave? We may stop right here and be done, and think we've got something, and one of us something didn't take. You know? Yeah. Well, and here's another <laughs> tip. Here's another tip: is that always do double uh, whatever you know that you want. Like right now, I'm recording on the H6, but I'm also recording into. Um, into my um, my DAW, my digital uh, workstation, or whatever, right? So yeah. I've got yep. two things I'm recording on, and and typically, yeah, I mean that's whenever you can. Just the, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the word, but trying to have double, you know, repetition. So backup so covered. Backup to the backup. Yeah, backup to backup. Yeah. So <laughs> um, and yeah, the worst case, I mean, obviously, and I've done this a couple times where you have to re-record with the guest. That's not something you want to do. But you know, I mean, typically, if if you have, I've, I think I've done that once or twice. And I think uh, I've done it twice already. Yeah, and I don't have near as many twice. episodes as you do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've done. It. I mean, and, you know, and it's just part of the part of the game. So okay, well let's uh, let's wrap it out of here with the uh, the finish that up on the two twenty two. And you mentioned one, maybe two flies. You already you talked about the. Um, what what were the two you mentioned today? I mean, you, obviously the woolly bugger, but what was the other one yeah. that's kind of like a woolly bugger? Uh, Tequili. Yeah, Tequili. So the and and the zoo cougar. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. those are a couple of uh, good ones. Um, what about on uh, you know and you have thrown out some good tips here. So t- let's take it back to the water again. We're at that pool. You know, we're trying to trying to get up a smallmouth with with uh, a fly. Any other tips you want to throw out there to, to help somebody? Yeah, I think this this works. Uh, two things. Uh, and this is where, again, I'm probably different And my friends. I think my, my friends make fun of me and my guide friends can't believe I do this, but, uh, and this may go more for trout, but if I am nymphing for trout or if I'm nymphing for smallmouth, I use one nymph. That's it. Everybody else uses two. I use one because I try to focus so much on presentation. I'm not saying I never use two, but I would say 90% of the time we're on one fly doesn't matter if I'm fishing with you or, or I have a client in the boat. It doesn't matter to me. I'm fishing, trying to fish one fly and get that, just that exactly that right presentation. Uh, but the flip side of that is when I'm fishing streamers, the zoo, unless it's a zoo cougar, but if I've got a couple of woolly buggers or tequila flies or something, I'll tie two or three streamers on. Hmm. Right. No and, kidding. Yeah. So I'm kind of the opposite of everybody else, huh. but I don't know it, and I started the the multiple streamers uh, for the shad kills around here on the on the trout streams, and just have kind of tried to bring it, you know, forward with me. I haven't really done it on the musky stuff yet, although I've wanted to. But you got to go pretty small, even with ten weights, you still have to go pretty small. But it's not it's not that it's not doable, but uh, you know, how many 
if you if you're thinking about bait fish like small two inch bait fish you hardly ever see one just kind of running around out there they school up a little bit so that's kind of where that started i don't know if i i probably stole that idea from somewhere no is this two flies is yeah. it are you is this two fly yeah so you're putting yeah. two and would you have like two zoo cougars on there no, I wouldn't do two zoo cougars, but I'll do a zoo cougar and a couple of bully buggers too. So it's not just two. I'll do two, three, four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you put them on there. So how do you keep that from, I mean, getting tangled and all that? And what, what type of dropper or how are you tying on? If you had three flies, how would you be tying those on? So I would tie, just tie the the first one on with a, a surgeon's loop. Uh, and then I call it the fisherman's knot. Mm-hmm. Tie a fisherman's knot to the bend of the of the hook on the oh, first yeah, streamer yeah fisherman's not to the to the eye fisherman's not to the bend fisherman's not to the eye oh so you're putting so basically you got a lead fly then you got off the eye of that hook you've got another little tag with a fly and then you've got your dropper off the bend and then off of that dropper uh eye of the hook you got another one i got a, it's it's eye bend eye bend eye bend eye bend yep eye bend, bend oh wow so you can that, that's you amazing tie so, as many as you want to God, that's crazy. How and then good how are you? Far, <laughs> yeah, how far between the bend, you know, from your main fly down to the second fly? Uh, is that like 12 inches or something or longer? Oh, so I don't ever really have them exactly the same spacing. Uh, I might have one that's five or six inches and the next one may be two foot back there. Or they may be all kind of relatively, you know, about a foot apart. But, I mean, we when you fish, fishing two is easy. Fishing three is a little bit harder. Fishing four and five, you got to really have somebody that's good. I mean, that really can can like lob it like a softball, kind of open up their loop and just kind of let it let it drop in there. And you know, you got five on there. That's five splashes hitting all at once, and it you know it gets the it gets a fish's attention. But you know, you you probably spook you probably spook fish too. But you know, it's it's interesting to see which one they eat in the line. So if you've got three, sometimes they'll eat the back one. Sometimes they'll eat the middle one. Interestingly, very seldom do that if I've seen them eat the front one. Not that they don't. It's just they're eating those back two a little the more, two. which is crazy. Okay. You would think they would eat that first one, but they, you know, they just don't. Uh, what about, and as we finish up here, uh, as far as a resource, other than, say, Kelly Gallup, any other resources you'd direct somebody to kind of take this conversation a little further? I'm not sure if there's like book magazines, uh, videos, anything you can think of. So I would say, obviously, listen to po- listen to podcasts, and not just Southeastern Fly podcast either. Yeah. Do you listen? Are you a big uh, podcaster? Do you listen to any other podcasts or fly fishing podcasts? Yeah, I've got yours. I've got. Uh, let oh, me nice. just. You want me to read through here and show, tell you what I've got? Yeah. Let's let's hear it. Let's hear. Let's your just see what I'm that. listening to. Yeah. Uh, fly fishing ninety seven podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I've got one of the fishing business podcast. Oh, she's pretty good. Business. Oh yep, yeah, that's fishing a good business, one, right? Uh, something called Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing there you Podcast. Go. There you go, Wet Fly Swing. I've heard of that yeah. one before. Uh, uh, here's a Jack Daniels Around the Barrel podcast, oh, nice. which is pretty cool because we we fish down at the Elk and it's you know you're ten minutes from the distillery down there. Oh, that's cool. And you can smell the mash on the floats, so that's pretty. No cool. kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ask about. Ask about fly fishing podcast. Oh, yeah. Rogers, yeah, Roger. His, his, he's been around. His podcast. I should say he's been around forever. Oh, his podcast around. has been around forever. No, he has. He's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. Roger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's where I. That's really. He had like two hours with Kelly one time, and I was like, "Hey, I, there's some good stuff on this." But the clubs is a great place. That's a great resource. 
uh, for for people to to learn. So there's a club here in Murfreesboro called Calvary Outfitters, uh, which is starting mm-hmm. to crank back up after COVID, and just a great group of guys. I mean, just a great group. Uh, and those guys, and it's it's a it's a men's fly fishing thing. But hang around because I'll tell you about the next one too. That's going to be that's going to get on the other side of that. But good group of guys support each other, give up information pretty freely, actually. Uh, and, and you can always learn and they get together and they fish together. Uh, and I try to fish with them when I can and just, I just don't have a lot of time to do it, but they have some guests every once in a while. They'll do presentations. We did the fly fishing film tour this year. Uh, it's just a good group of guys. So that type of club and, and on the flip side of that is the music city fly girls. They're, they're the, the, a group of, of, of ladies, uh, and I don't know if you know Susan Thrasher. She's a guy out on the Caney. No, she started it uh, with with a friend of hers, uh, and it's evolved. They do multiple trips a year. They have multiple outings a year around here. They have guest speakers. They'll do online events. You know, through COVID, they did some online online events. Uh, they get together, and you'll see them out and about together. You know, there'll be two or three fishing here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that, that if you can, if you can find a club that's active, you know, that it doesn't have just a bunch of people that want to come in and listen to somebody, tell them everything they know, but they don't really get together and they're not close. If you can find that club that's close and gives up that information freely, I say absolutely get in there and find somebody you like to fish that, that you enjoy and fish with them. That's a great resource. That's a long way. That's that's a long way to long winded answer, but it's a good it's answer. Good. It's a quality it's a quality thing to do. I was trying to think we did have an episode a while back uh, because there's a few people in your area, right? Some are there any big like what would you say as far as uh, big name kind of shops or people? Are there any people that come to mind out in kind of that area? Well, uh, the friend of mine, Susan, just wrote a book, so she comes oh, to yeah. mind right away. Yeah, and I have heard of her, Susan Thrash. I've definitely yeah. heard the name. Yeah, yeah. Have you not interviewed Susan? No, you should. Yeah, she, she's, I will. I'll try. She's to find got it. a I'll book track her down. laying over there that she needs to actually sign for me. Uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll send you her info. Uh, okay, but yeah, so Susan's good. You know, Cumberland Transit's a shop down in downtown in Nashville. Fly Souths in Nashville. Uh, you know, there's and I'm now I'm just naming friends that are that are really good. Uh, and I just found it. I just found it. Uh, Let's see. It's uh, uh, Wanda Taylor. Yeah, Wanda. I've interviewed Wanda. She's she's a little more east of here. So oh, okay, she's, more east. She's on okay. the she's on the North Car- the Georgia Hiawassee. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, north gotcha. uh, North Georgia and Southern Tennessee. So yeah, yeah. Wanda's a good one. I interviewed her really early on, and she was she was a good interview. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. Cool. I tell you, if you know an, another great resource is David Knapp. He's he's. Uh, gosh, I've been fishing with David for 10 years, maybe more, probably more than that. You know, when you start getting older, you start forgetting how many years have gone by. But oh, yeah. yeah, so definitely, uh, definitely, uh, he'd be, he's, a, he's, a, he's got a website, uh, the trout zone. He's been doing it for as long as I've been doing Southeastern fly almost. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, uh, we're going to get out of here, David, but give us uh give us some music before we get out of here. You're, you're in Nashville, like the home of Elvis, right? And all that, that or <laughs> you're nearby, right? So what, what, what do you listen to and what type of music or bands or anything like that? I'm pretty open really. Um, so 
now I've been kind of on Dave Matthews a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a, a, a – she's not really well, well, no. She's not, you know, a headliner yet, but uh, Jessica Willis Fisher. She's she's okay. more along the country country yeah, line. Great. Love John Prine. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, John Prine. Uh, the Lumineers. Yep. Oh yeah, Lumineers. Yep, yeah. you've mentioned three. I, I I try to ask this question whenever I can because I love putting in a little YouTube video of the of whoever we talk about. But yeah, three of those John Prine, Lumineers, and Dave Matthews. I've had guests that have all said that. I haven't had Jessica Willis. Uh, what was the last name? Jessica. Jessica Willis Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, I'll, yep. I'll definitely check out that. And if I can, I'll put a put a link to Pro- uh, some. Yeah. Probably the one that I that I listen to the most and have listened to this guy for a long, 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 long time. Before I started fishing, really, Buffett, uh, Jimmy oh, Buffett. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, I love Jimmy. And uh, I like him for, for several different reasons. One, he's kind of – he's a writer, so he, him and Prine kind of mm-hmm. were – were in the early years, they were, they kind of hooked up with Steve Goodman some and, and did some work there. But he's a fantastic writer. Uh, and and, and I, don't, I don't just mean of songs. I mean of books. His books are outstanding. Uh, he can take you through a story, uh, and they're mostly in the Caribbean. So you know, kind of who who doesn't like that? But he also he he also fly fishes. I mean, oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, he's a good. Well, there's a guest to get on the show. Is I would, Jimmy Buffett? That that'd be one that I would I would love to get, and I would really like to talk fly fishing with him and just see. You know, hey, tell me of some of the places you've been, and I think if you could ever get him in. It would be a it would be a great story. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett would be huge. That's uh that'd be an epic interview for sure. So, yeah. Okay. All right, David. Well, I think that's about all we have. We'll send people out to um, yeah. I guess the best place is your website, right? Yeah, I think Southeastern Fly, but you can you know uh, southeasternfly dot com, Instagram. I just posted something this morning on Instagram. Uh, uh, the Fly Fishing Podcast by Southeastern Fly Facebook group. That's a great place in Southeastern Fly on Facebook. Don't do anything on Twitter. I've, I've kind of stopped doing that. Uh, and, you know, just if you have any questions, email me or, or text or whatever, however you, however you want to do it. Yeah, perfect. I don't, I don't have to guide you to help you. No. No, I think you, we've talked about enough resources here, I think, to give somebody a good start. So, yeah. All right, David, well, I'll uh, put links to all that in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, just uh, want to thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge. We'll definitely look forward to keeping in touch with you as we're kind of heading forward on everything we have going. And, yeah, man, thanks for taking the time today. All right, Dave. Hey, man, I appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you on my show and talking a little bit of Steelhead. All right. All right. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> all right, brother. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all links, and everything else we covered today, just head over to wetflyswing.com slash 232-232. And uh, just a reminder, please subscribe if you haven't already, and this will make sure that you get that next podcast episode that's coming out right to your inbox. And you don't want to miss the next episode because we have the great Ed Jaworoski, who's here to break down fly casting, and he is going to break this down step by step. There's tons, tons of good tips. He's got a new book out that a lot of people are talking about. So you don't want to miss this one Tuesday. So uh, so uh, head bang, <laughs> smash that subscribe button. Give it a give it a whack. Make sure you uh, make sure you get notified. They'll make sure you get that episode right to your inbox on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, first thing. 
that's uh, that's it today. That's a wrap. That's all I have for you. Thanks again for sticking around to the very end here and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you soon. Hopefully, I uh, may be catching you on the river or online. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.